The show rolls, or rather runs, on for the latest series of the Ranking the Greatest Insert Position here of the Insert Decade here. We are starting off with running backs now, starting with the 2010s. Who topped my list? We're going to find out right now on the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. You are Locked on Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. My name is Richie Bradshaw. I will be your guide for all things Arizona State Sun Devils. Make sure that you are following this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We are free and available on all platforms such as Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Odyssey. You can also find us on YouTube if you would like to check us out on a visual platform. Wherever you get your podcasts, though, Make sure to subscribe, follow, like, share, five-star, thumbs up, all that good stuff. While you're on your phone or your computer, go ahead, head over to the Bird app on Twitter. Follow myself at RichieBrads36. Follow the podcast as well at LO underscore Sundoubles. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. As always, we have a treat for you guys. We're going to go ahead and move forward with this series of ranking the best position by era we're gonna go ahead and move into the running backs of the 2010s and really dominated by a handful of guys there was only six guys that i was looking at that truly stood out to me and all six of these guys had a very very important role to play with arizona state a lot of them have very direct lines to my heartstrings like there's like three of these guys who I just absolutely adore them to pieces and I'll be sure to make mental notes for you guys as we get to those players but let's go ahead and dive in starting at number six we are going uh six five four three two one by the way there are six guys I ranked so starting at number six DJ Foster and I adore DJ. He's one of my all-time favorite Sun Devils, and I think he should be a lot of people's all-time favorite Sun Devils. I believe that one day he should be in the Ring of Honor. He should be in the Sun Devils Hall of Fame, and he's one of those guys I feel will never get enough credit for what he managed to do during his time at Arizona State. He racked up nearly 5,000 scrimmage yards, 32 touchdowns. Now, what's weird about his career is he did end with more receiving yards than rushing yards. And this is the reason why I have him at six instead of higher up on the list is because we are talking about running backs. Now, his first three seasons at Arizona State, starting in 2012, he was a running back. And he was definitely more of a committee guy. In 2012 and 2013, his freshman, sophomore year, he was the backup running back if not the third string running back in 2012 behind two guys we'll talk about later and 2013 he was also the backup 2014 he took over as a full-time starter and he was outstanding nearly 1800 scrimmage yards 12 touchdowns he was an absolute stud the problem is there was a lot of talent behind him who also started the bubble to the surface which led to his transition to wide receiver in 2015 and my goodness he he continued to show off that prowess as a receiver. 
ended his career with 222 catches, which is good enough for second all-time in Sun Devils history for receptions. Three of the years he played with us, he was a running back. He had two seasons over 60 catches and three seasons of 59 or more catches. The only season he didn't get at least 59 catches was as a freshman when he was the third running back. I mean, the dude was just so, so good as a receiver. And we don't give him enough credit for that. But second in receptions, seventh in yards, he topped nearly 2,500 receiving yards as well, a healthy 11.1 yards per reception. Looking at the rushing numbers, though, he did end with a 5.3 average. His worst yards per carry was 4.8 as a freshman. So very, very effective runner. Uh, 2,355 yards and 18 touchdowns. Managed that in four seasons. Considering he really was only the starting running back for one year, I find those numbers to be pretty darn impressive. And I feel like we should be giving Foster a lot more credit than he actually deserves. So DJ Foster checking in at number six for me. He would be higher if he had been the starter for longer. Nonetheless, he is an all-time Sun Devil. Coming in num number five, this is a very interesting case study to me. Kalen Balaj. Kalen had such a weird career with Arizona State because he racked up nearly 2,700 yards in four seasons. He was never truly the starter for Arizona State. His best year came in 2016 where he racked up 1,005 yards and 15 touchdowns. Many will remember his 2016 game against the Texas Tech Raiders in which he tied an NCAA to record eight touchdowns in one game. And it was so much fun to watch. They kept bringing him out in what they called the Sparky Package, where he would line up in the quarterback spot and just run like quarterback power. And he got in the end zone more than a handful of times, obviously. But he also managed to get some breakaway runs. I remember he had like a 70-yard scamper against Texas Tech in that game that ended up putting ASU ahead and ultimately winning that game against Patrick Mahomes, by the way. So a little humble brag there for Kalen Balazs in Arizona State. But outside of some flashes in the pan, he never was this guy who was this world-beater kind of producer. He was always an outstanding athlete. I mean, the dude was 6'3", 230 pounds and moved like he was about four inches shorter and 30 pounds lighter. He was an absolute dancer. His contact balance was insane. He was a really good receiver too. In his four years, he managed 82 catches, 8.3 a catch, uh, only two touchdowns. But you look at that 2016 season, it was his best season. Again, that's where he had the 1,005 yards, 15 touchdowns. He managed a career-best 44 catches for 469 yards, so just about 11 yards a catch. Outside of that, he never really even came close to those numbers again. 2017, he had 20 catches, but he only managed 91 yards out of it. He did have a career-best in rushing yards that year with 669 and six touchdowns, but it's just a weird career. Three seasons with at least 700 scrimmage yards, and 29 touchdowns in four years is pretty rock-solid. It just... It felt like a lot of Balazs' fanfare came in that one game against Texas Tech. That definitely felt like groupthink when it came to the NFL draft process. But Balaj always felt like he was a much better athlete than he was a finished product on the field. Now, that being said, he was a lot, a lot of fun to watch. The dude was just, 
electric. When Kalen Balazs was on the field, you felt like there was this essence in the air of, man, this guy could break a big one at any moment. And for someone as big and strong as he is, to be as fast, quick, and nimble as he was, it's honestly kind of weird that he never became more than what he was. But a lot of that has to do with the fact that Arizona State had a huge committee approach to the running back spot during his time at Arizona State. And not to discredit him at all because he did really good in the role he was in, it's just weird to think that the, that the Sun Devils never really gave him the reins to be the guy. I think it'll be one of those really interesting what could have been situations. Like if they had given Kalen Balaj the lion's share of carries, what kind of career would he have put together at Arizona State? To me, one of the one of the more all-time what-if situations for Arizona State, but nonetheless, a very, very, very good running back. Clocks in here at number five on my list. Let's go ahead and take a break now. When we return from our first break, we're going to go to running backs number four and number three. But first, a quick word from some of our friends. I love and hate those buzzer beaters, all sorts of drama. But oh my goodness, the pain when you're on the other side of it. That's what happened when we saw St. Peter's take down everyone that was in their path and dance their way into the Elite Eight. I needed so much to happen, but thankfully, I still have Stat Heroes NCAA uh, single game pickums to pit the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. Take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage. Start focusing on the players you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, and funky props. Stat Hero gives you the advantage, resulting in their gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you're going up against. In addition to their pick'em games, they also have dozens of lineups you can comb through to take on head-to-head. -head. They simply post sets of players for you to take on with a set of players you choose. Stat Hero is the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action fixed. The sleek, simple gameplay will have you playing in minutes. This is what Daily Fantasy was made to believe. So sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on. Use the promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on. Use the promo code locked on for a 100% match. Again, stathero.com slash locked on. Promo code locked on. Terms and conditions apply. And again, we thank you guys so much for making the Locked on Sun Devils your first listen every day. Remember that this podcast is free and available on all platforms. Let's not waste any more time. Let's hop right back into the conversation of our top six running backs of the 2010s. Of course, starting off with DJ Foster and Kalen Balaj. Leading in here at number four is Arizona State's ninth all-time leading rusher, Cameron Marshall. Marshall actually started in 2009 for the Sun Devils in kind of a reserve role, but he he played four years and three of those four years were 2010, 2011, 2012. So naturally he is definitely a guy that we will include in the 2010s era for Arizona State. And what a marvelous career he had. Just to end the 2010s alone, you take away that 2009 season. He managed just shy of 2,500 rushing yards. He managed 38 rushing touchdowns. In fact, he had... Goodness gracious, 38 total touchdowns in his three years as the main go-to guy at Arizona State. 2011 was his best year. He was a 1,000-yard runner, 18 touchdowns on the ground, 
tallied another 24 catches and 188 yards through the air. He had back-to-back 1,000-yard scrimmage seasons and three consecutive 10-plus touchdown seasons. Cameron Marshall was one of the more well-rounded do-it-all backs for Arizona State. What's so funny about him is he was like this deceptively big guy. Like he was he was 5'11, 215, but it almost felt like he was like a smaller, kind of grittier guy. But at the same time, he played with a lot of power. Like he was that perfect combination that you look for in guys. And Cameron Marshall was able to blend so much of his game together into such a well-balanced attack that led to him being so hyper productive for the Sun Devils. What's what's interesting is 2011, where he had a thousand yard year. The next year, 2012, he ends up only rushing for 583 yards and nine touchdowns. This is because they had a three headed monster in the backfield. Cameron Marshall was the second guy, maybe the first, like 1A, 1B, with another guy yet to be named on the list. And DJ Foster was the third guy. So Cameron Marshall, DJ Foster, and a guy to be named later made up a outstanding running back room for the Sun Devils. I mean, this core was on par with like a DeMario Richard, Kalen Bellagino, Benjamin. In fact, I, I would listen to an argument that it was better. It, it truly was an outstanding trio that they had, which was a bummer because Marshall didn't get all of the touches that he probably deserved. But at the same time, he still proved to be so effective in that role. I mean, he had 10 touchdowns regardless of the fact that he only had 148 touches and he still managed 4.6 yards. This is his final year, 2012, when he was in that three-headed rotation. He still was ultra productive, despite not nearly as many yards as his previous two years. But Marshall was always a team first guy. He never complained. He was a first in, last out kind of player. And it absolutely showed every single Saturday. He definitely is one of the more all-time underrated Sun Devils in my book. I believe that everything that he was able to put together was outstanding. I am truly thankful for what he put together, and I just wish that a lot of other people realized how important he was to what Arizona State was able to put together. Uh, For what it's worth, as far as touchdowns go, he actually is number two in rushing touchdowns alone at 38 only behind the great Woody Green from the 70s who had 43. So Cameron Marshall absolutely leaving a really, really, really big impact on the program. Clocking in for me at number four. Coming up at number three, this is where it starts to get a little spicy. I'm very curious as to how everyone will respond to the order from here. Because I think you could shuffle these three around in any any which way and form. Number three for me is actually going to be Demario Richard. Demario Richard who is fourth all-time in Arizona State history for rushing yards. In his four years at Arizona State, he toppled 3,200 yards. He rushed for over 1,000 yards twice and had a whopping 4.9 career yards per carry. Only one season under five yards a carry. That was 2016, a very down year for the Sun Devils, and he only managed 3.8 yards on the ground. However, outside of that, he always had above five yards a carry. Ended his career, wasn't the biggest pass catcher in the world. He did have in 2015, he had 31 catches for 303 yards and three touchdowns. Outside of that, he only had another 38 catches in his other three seasons. 
where he was really good was he was in a, a very effective between the tackles kind of rudder. He was a very no nonsense guy in a bowling ball, 5'10, 220 pounds. He was very compact. He was very, very tough to bring down. Overall, just one of those dudes who you kind of just gave him the ball and you said, go ahead and create. 2014 is freshman year. He didn't do overly much the whole year. However, in the Sun Bowl game, I believe this was against Duke. This was our bowl game. He had all four of his rushing touchdowns in this game. He still managed to have eight touchdowns on the year, too. So half of his touchdowns came in the bowl game to end the year, which had a lot of Sun Devils fans sitting there going, holy cow, this guy is the answer. Like, this is the best running back on the roster. Now, keep in mind, this was a year that DJ Foster rushed for 1,000 yards. And we're sitting there and we're thinking, no, Demario Richards the better runner here, which ultimately led to DJ Foster changing positions. Foster ended up moving over to wide receiver because Foster, or not Foster, because Richard was going to start commanding a lot more carries because of how talented he was and the fact that he was definitely deserving of those opportunities. So that's exactly what ended up happening was you had Demario Richard essentially take over full time for the Sun Devils run game while uh, DJ Foster moved out wide and DeMario and Kalen Balaj were the ones who split the carries for the next three years. But Richard was easily the better pure runner between the two of them, which is why he got far more of the lion's share of carries. Overall in his career, just shy of 4,000 scrimmage yards, 33 touchdowns in a four-year span. Really only the starter for three years. Nonetheless, absolutely outstanding career for Demario Richard. Coming in at number three for me, but I could absolutely listen to an argument that he should be higher, if not number one, on a lot of people's lists. That's going to go ahead and end this second segment here. When we return for the third and final segment, we're going to crown our second place and our first place running backs for the 2010s. This, of course, is the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. After months of playing college basketball, has determined the top teams for the final four and will decide this year's national champion this upcoming week. BetOnline remains your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline is the number one best spot for all your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, guys, and thank you so much. When you can see my face again, here I am, my beautiful blushing face, at least if you're watching YouTube. If you're not watching YouTube, then you have no idea what I'm talking about. But this is now the final segment for this Tuesday edition of the Locked on Sun Levels podcast. It's time to go into our, our runner-up and our number one running back. Runner-up, drum roll please, da 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 Marion Grice comes in at number two on my list. My goodness. In two years, Marion Grice was one of the most productive running backs in Arizona State history. Two years, he scored 39 touchdowns. And they weren't spaced out. 19 touchdowns his first year in a part-time role, 20 touchdowns his next year as basically the full-time starter. 
He came in in 2012, which was that year I was talking about with Cameron Marshall and with DJ Foster. He managed 679 yards that year, 11 touchdowns. He had eight through the air. He caught 41 passes for 425 yards, eight touchdowns through the air. This guy just did it all. 1,100 scrimmage yards as a, as a, as a transfer. He, he was a transfer from a, um, I, I believe it was, it was a junior college, but don't quote me on that. I'm not 100%. But he scored 19 touchdowns his first year, followed up in 2013, 996 rushing yards, four shy of 1,000. Unfortunately, he did miss a couple games, though. That would have cost him that 1,000-yard season, but that's okay because he still managed to score 14 on the ground and six touchdowns through the air, catching another 50 passes for 438 yards. So he had managed back-to-back 1,100-yard scrimmage seasons while missing time and not even being a full-time starter. More importantly, he scored 39 touchdowns. That is unreal to me. I remember there was a comparison during draft season, and Marion Grice had been compared to Matt Forte. Now, Forte has a strong argument for the NFL Hall of Fame. And while he was three inches bigger than Marion Grice, there was definitely a lot of similarities in the way that they were just silky smooth outside running guys with the softest hands and the ability to just beat you as a receiver out of the backfield. uh, Marion Grice was that guy. He was just, it, it, it it was a treat to watch him play. And I I feel like he's another guy that doesn't get talked about as much for Arizona State, especially for history-wise, because he only played two seasons. But what he managed to do in those two seasons is just unprecedented. There, There is not another Arizona State player who managed to do what he did in two seasons. 39 touchdowns, guys. 39 There is not a single player in Arizona State history that has managed to put up 39 touchdowns in a two-year span. The only thing he didn't have was the yards, and he still managed 2,500 in two years. And again, he missed time, and he wasn't a full-time starter the full time. It was insane what Marion Grice was able to do. Strong number two for me. In fact, it, it truly ended up being a coin toss between him and the person I ultimately decided to go with for the number one spot. It was really, really tough here, but maybe my heart speaking a little bit for me, or maybe the fact that I believe he was just a more impactful player. Number one, Eno Benjamin. Benjamin was a third string running back behind Kalen Balaj and Demario Richard. Now this is the other trio that I was talking about that I would put head-to-head with the Cameron Marshall, Kalen Balaj, and DJ Foster for the best trio of running backs in the 2010s for Arizona State. Uh, Not Foster, excuse me. Benjamin did not have very many opportunities as a freshman, which is why I would put the other three ahead of them. But he flashed. He only had 23 carries. He managed 142 yards and a touchdown. He had 6.2 as a freshman. So he was definitely on our radar, and there were uh, there were times that year, similar to this past year, how I was saying that Daniel Nagata at times looked like the best running back on the field and how I went as far as to compare him to Eno. This is the reason why. Because Eno looked like the best running back on the field. 
when DeMario, DeMario Richard and Kalen Balazs were playing. I remember going into his sophomore year. I just, I remember sitting there and I was like, this guy's going to be an animal. Like this guy's the truth. I would be shocked if he doesn't explode. And I was not shocked. He goes on to have the single season rushing yards record for Arizona state. He toppled 1,642 yards. Also 5.5 a pop, 16 touchdowns on the ground. Just to make it even better, guys, he had 35 more catches, 263 yards, two more touchdowns. So he had 1,900 scrimmage yards and 18 touchdowns in a 13-game season. He was insane. He also managed that year a 300-yard rushing game. I'm trying to pull up the exact number and who he managed to put it up against right now, if my computer would kindly load, but... He did have one of the best single season games for Arizona State. In fact, it was the best game for an Arizona State player. 312 rushing yards against Oregon State. Now, here's the insane thing. The next closest guy was Benny Malone in 1973, ironically enough, also against Oregon State. He had 250 yards. So Benjamin beat his record by 62 yards. One game. Unbelievable. Just totally unbelievable what Eno Benjamin did as a sophomore. He did regress as a junior. He rushed for just shy of 1,100 yards and 10 touchdowns in a 12-game season. He did had 42 catches, 347 yards, and another two touchdowns. So he did have himself... A 1,400-yard season, 12-touchdown season, but compared to a 1,900-yard, 18-touchdown season, definitely a step down, which was unfortunate because it, it began affecting his draft stock because going into his junior year, he was perceived as one of the better prospects for running backs. And unfortunately for him, this quote-unquote down year was was very detrimental to him. And he ended up being a seventh round pick, despite the fact that he was talented enough to be taken. in, I believe the top four or five rounds, but neither here nor there, he has found a way to stick in the NFL for two seasons, hopefully a third season this year with the Arizona Cardinals. He has managed to find his way into the end zone. We really hope that he has a bigger opportunity this year. Now that Chase Edmonds is gone, James Conner is back and he did get paid, but as of right now, prior to the draft, Eno Benjamin is the number two running back there for Arizona, and we're hoping that he gets more opportunities because he was absolutely beyond dynamic during his time at Arizona State. That being said, that's actually going to go ahead and wrap up this conversation today for the Locked on Sun Levels podcast. Again, thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Remember that it's free and available on all pot- platforms, which includes, but it's not limited to, the Odyssey app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube. Be sure to like, subscribe, comment, share, rate, all that good stuff. While you're on your phone or on your computer, go to the Bird app, Twitter. Follow me at RichieBrads36 and follow the podcast as well at LO underscore Sun Levels. Do me a favor and go and make your second listen locked on NFL Draft now. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. Just like the Locked on Sun Devils podcast, it's free and available on all platforms. Until next time, guys, you keep it locked right here 
unlocked on Sun Devils.